It's so funny how flamenco, the original flamenco, was actually barefoot and had a lot of hip and belly dance movements in it. Mm. And it's called Zambramora. Welcome to Ballad Dance Live podcast with weekly portion of stories, tips and dance inspiration. My name is Jana Komarnitska, I'm your host and I invite you to explore all nuances of Ballad Dance Live together with me and our amazing guests. Let's start! This episode is brought to you by the support of our Patreon community. If you're interested in supporting this uh, podcast as well as getting more dancing into your life, don't forget to check our new Patreon page. Technique drills, uh, dance choreographies, as well as individual feedback for your own dance videos and dance creations, all available at different tiers of our Patreon account. You can check it at patreon.com slash yanadance link is in the show notes to this episode hello hello guys welcome to another episode of the ballad dance live podcast i just came back recently a few days ago from warsaw from dance weekend uh, festival organized by alia and vladimir kuchinkov and i just can't help but mention how awesome the event was and how much family feeling was in it not only by the fact that the whole family actually was involved in the organization and helping doing all logistics of the festival but truly about the mood and atmosphere among participants at the workshops and uh, a lot of very cute and thoughtful details uh, here and there at the event also i had a very interesting experience of being invited to be a judge at the competition there which uh, haven't been for a while and it was a full day competition which got me very interesting uh, thoughts and ideas that I would love to share with you from both perspective of the judge and the task because as dancers as competition participants we often just look at the judges and it seems like okay they're just sitting and and putting some scores like whatever but there's so much uh, things going on in your brain that you actually watch performances and you understand that you need to evaluate somehow by all these criteria that you were given and uh, it's a responsibility both from you as a dancer who needs to uh, really see and understand what you are seeing on stage but also responsibility in terms like you basically giving some scores on people's dances which is kind of very weird and and very unusual thing to talk about art but at the same time there are some things that i understood like huh i never really paid attention to them and never understood their importance until you get to see it from inside all this process of evaluating things and also seeing the a very common mistake that they look obvious but people do them from one performance to another performance so i'm actually planning to do the whole uh, mini episode about this and if you're interested in anything um, 
very specific about all this process feel free to message me asap these days uh, before i record it and i'll make sure to include at least i'm i'm gonna talk of course about my own experience and my own like opinion what how how it was going uh, for me and uh, on this note i also just want to mention how many absolutely stunning uh, performers uh, we saw on stage. It was incredible to see dancers from such a young, uh, I don't know what, what the age <laughs> those children start dancing, but from very young age to very adult and mature people on stage. And that's very incredible to see and feel the this feeling and love to dance all uh, unite and make us... <laughs> have so much in common that that's very incredible and um again it was very interesting because i have a very i don't know love hate relationship with competitions like and see a lot of good in them i also see a lot of bad things in them and we have many many conversations about it but i just wanted to give you a heads up that a special a mini episode will be coming out so if you're cool curious uh, to hear a little bit more about experience of uh, being a judge at such event as well as hearing about common uh, typical mistakes that just appear again and again on stage during competition, so don't miss the next uh, mini-episode. But for today's uh, interview, we have a very special treat. It actually was uh, one of my last uh, interviews that I still recorded in Toronto before my trip, uh, and I had a pleasure to do it in person with incredible Angelica Scanura, who has very unusual dance experience. She is coming from a professional uh, flamenco background, uh, uh, although she have been doing so many more other dances along with flamenco, but then going into a professional ballet dance industry and now transitioning into a stand-up comedy. <laughs> what a combination! But it's interesting to see common threads that go through all these three areas and we discussed a lot about that as just the path of artist and transitioning from one chapter to another and is it always a transition or is it just addition and are those frustrations and moments of uh, being lost and uninspired uh, aren't they just a part of artistic life and those uh, wake-up calls that uh, something new needs to to come into your life and push you to the third level i'm absolutely sure you'll be super inspired about it but also just a little heads up because Angelica almost gave a mini lecture about connections, historical and cultural connections between flamenco and ballet dance, which I know a lot of you may know nothing, but still do flamenco ballet dance fusion. So here's a little bit of information for you to actually have a more solid understanding of uh, those fusions and hopefully they will uh, improve and spark you to learn more uh, about both uh, dance styles to make sure that your future performances they have uh, more in-depth uh, value and not just a visual appearance of uh, these dance styles.
But as I've mentioned already, Angelica Scanura, she's based in Toronto and along with dancing and dance performer, she's also choreographer and actress uh, as well as uh, in the beginning of her stand-up comedy career. She has performed and taught all around the world, including US, Europe, Caribbean and Middle East. And she's recipient of many, many, many dance awards including the Marty Award for Outstanding Dance Artist in 2018, Ballet Dance of the Universe winner 2013, finalist at the Certamen de Coreografia de Danza Español in Uflamenco in 2013, and Eastern Canadian Irish Dance Champion 2006, among many, many others. She also appeared multiple times on TV in different programs as well as in many many movies but for this i will let you dig and research about her acting activities and careers but one of the recent important projects that i just must mention is also that angelica is the face of zoomer media's health and fitness channel one get fit tv where she actually has her own uh, program a couple years ago she did Angelica's dance workout and now she's preparing a new show coming up very very soon and we talked about that in this interview too. So I'm absolutely sure you can't wait to listen to this interview but as traditionally before we go into the interview a quick thank you to our supporters Baladance Evolution. Join Jelena's Ballet Dance Evolution 10-year anniversary celebration, workshops, Hafla and best of BDE show featuring stars Sharon Kihara, Kaeshi, Khadar, Jelena and more. August 20-25 in Los Angeles, California. Also, BDE has opened auditions for their performance in Buenos Aires, Argentina this October. Auditions close September 3rd. Visit BalladanceEvolution.com for more details. Wow, I'm so excited. It's one, probably one of the last uh, interviews in Toronto in person and one of the rare ones I get to do is in, for podcast. And today I have awesome Angelica Scanura here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming over. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. And I know you're... Like, I know it's probably one of the last ones you're going to be doing here, right? Well, until I come back for a while, yes, I guess. Yes. Yeah, but uh, happy that we get to uh, together. Yes. It's always fun to chat in person. Yes. Um, but I'm also very excited to chat in general about your dance activities because yeah. you're one of the interesting blends of different <laughs> styles and activities and having a cool career. But I want first to start with um, hmm, knowing your you know, your activities. I'm just sort of thinking to jump in which, which, where, which where part. Where should we but begin? Let, <laughs> let's start from ballet dance right away. Mm -hmm. So, what did you make to go to your first ballet dance class? Oh, my first belly dance class I'll never forget was May fifth, two thousand and nine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I'll i never forget because it was one of the most important days of my life when I found one of the main passions in my life. And coming off of uh, years of ballet dancing and modern dancing and Irish dancing and flamenco, which I've been doing, I'd been doing forever. 
because I'm half Irish. A lot of people don't know that. Also, the first time I ever did a belly dance show, they go, where are you from? What's your background? I'm like, I'm Maltese and Irish. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Maybe don't mention the Irish part to anybody ever again. <laughs> so I quickly realized that was not going to give me any street cred in the, in the belly dance scene. Um, but yeah, coming from doing all these different dance forms, I was very frustrated. And I was like, what's next for me in dance? I tried hip hop and I was like, I'm not a hip hoppy kind of girl. I'm very awkward. Like ballet dancers, when they do hip hop, they're, they're so stiff because you've learned how to hold yourself so straight and upright mm. your whole life and pull up through the fronts of the legs. And then you go to a hip hop class and it's like loose, like get in the legs. And like, it's almost like this more carefree way of moving. And I was like, okay, that's not helping me. And then of course I've, I've always, I've had a lifetime of managing injuries and various physical ailments and, um, my feet were in no great shape. Uh, my Achilles tendons were blown out completely. Mm. Um, I was sick of having my arms glued to my sides <laughs> and jumping around like a maniac as you have to do in Irish dancing. Uh, by the way, it sounds like I'm trashing Irish dancing. I'm totally not. It taught me a lot of discipline. And um, I had such a great time traveling the world, performing and competing uh, but it's a it's a time of your life that has to eventually come to an end. And unfortunately, that end for some people is like before you, you're even 20 years old. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I was I just turned 20. I'm like, I need something that gives me something that, like a more grounded quality. My physiotherapist is like, why don't you just try taking up a dance form that it's just your upper body? And I was like, ha, 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 you know, it's like a joke, right? And then I was walking down Young Street uh, one afternoon and um, I saw the, the, the sandwich board outside of Arabesque, uh, which was at Young and Gloucester at the time. And um, it said, your first class is free. And I took a peek at the schedule online and intermediate class was starting in a half an hour. And I was like, okay, probably not the greatest thing to go jump into the intermediate class. But I went and I did it, and um, it was the best time I'd ever had dancing in a really long time, and I'll never forget that feeling. And Sarah was my teacher, and she, you know, she's very, very like soft and kind of like a hippie, you know. <laughs> and and uh, we danced to a Haifa Webe song, Rega, and she's like every day they had a whole choreography that they learned. And they were getting ready for the student gala, which was like in one or two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I did the first class and then Sarah's like, oh my God, you did a good job. And because uh, I knew how to move, but obviously like the way you move it, like I know how to roll my torso, but that was because I've done every other kind of dance. So I was doing it like that kind of dance. So mechanically I could do the moves, but the feeling mm -hmm. of a... <laughs> Of a belly dance, yeah. the quality obviously takes way more time. But um, she's like, you should do it. And I'm like, all right, I'll do the student show. So I booked three private lessons. I filmed the choreography. I practiced at home. I was just instantly obsessed. And then I did the student show. And the rest is... In just, one, two weeks. In two weeks. And... Um, this intermediate level class. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and then um, I still have the video. And I was just... I remember I was so happy and then I started taking three class all three classes a night every night at Arabesque and um that was it that's pretty much it 
Yeah, I like I heard many stories about your very quick jump into ballet dance world because you became like already performing like on a professional level after like one two years of training, and yeah. I remember like because I met you already after that point. Yes, but you yes. were like I heard you were very obsessed like every night several classes. Yes, but I actually have interesting question like listening to your story like. If you had such a tough experience, and I understand, relate, like we love dance, but there are injuries, we can't find ourselves there. Why you exactly wanted to go with dance? Like you were trying to find another dance form. Why just not I mean, to, I don't know, singing? I know, <laughs> Music. Right? Singing. Well, you could hear my voice. I, I could make a mirror crack in half. I'm not exactly the best <laughs> singer. But uh, because I've been dancing my whole life, I didn't really know anything else. It's so funny when you do something forever, it's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Right. And, um, it's weird. That's like, I didn't have the injury in my upper body yet. It was just my feet. So I'm like, great. I have a whole new set of body parts to damage and <laughs> belly dancing felt good. Mm -hmm. That's what was so great about it. I had you, you, you know, you're into the ground, you're using the hips and the stomach and, and shoulders in a way I've never experienced before. And I loved the music and the rhythms. And I just wanted to know everything. Now I was like, how fast can I learn this now? I remember like I was about to do my first Alheima, which was, I think I'd been belly dancing for like a month And I knew what I wanted, what I was supposed to do. Okay, just a quick note okay. for everyone who doesn't know what Hakaima is. basically yes. an evening of dance improvisation to a live orchestra. Yes. And you were telling that your first one was after months of... <laughs> one month of dancing. And I was like, I know what it's supposed to look like, but my body is like conditioned to moving a certain way. I still have that DVD too, but I buried it somewhere for the intention of never being seen again. <laughs> I watched it once a few years ago and I was like, oh dear. <laughs> I mean, I have to be easier on myself. It was, it was very soon, but I, it was like to be, to not know musical changes and to not know the songs and, and to not have a strong movement vocabulary mm -hmm. and shimmying too on top of all that when you have that like tight shimmy like when your thighs are all gripped and you haven't gotten that looseness yet and the control where the shimmy suddenly goes from being like the hardest thing to the thing that you do to take a break it, it was like it was so stressful and um yeah I was just like okay I have to continue doing this I remember I would practice every night every night I'd go home and uh I would feel like weird if I didn't practice I was like yeah I have something new in my life and then it in turn helped my flamenco dancing it gave me such a strong groundedness in my flamenco and it gave me this upper body strength that I had never that I had not developed before because I was using my body in different ways and and training again in different ways and then it, all of a sudden I'm like hey my flamenco is like a totally I feel like I'm in a new body That's so, so interesting, mm -hmm. because I actually was curious to ask how you combine flamenco and belly dance, because when I started doing belly dance, I, like a few months after start doing taking belly dance classes, I actually started learning flamenco too, mm -hmm. but I couldn't go with it, because my flamenco teacher was complaining, oh, your arms and your body is too soft, my belly dance teacher started complaining, oh, your arms and body is too sharp. Like, oh, what's going on? What? It's so funny. I've experienced the exact same thing in my dance training life. As soon as a dance teacher gets wind of you trying a different dance form, there are some that will go, 
you're too this, you're too that. And like, that was something that I faced in every dance form I did. My modern dance teacher would say I was doing it too Irishy. My Irish dance teacher would say I was doing it too balletic. My, my, uh, and it was always mm-hmm. like, you're doing it too this, you're doing it too that. And, and it's so hard to just calm that noise down in your head because it can really get to you and really affect your dancing. But you like learn very quickly that if they didn't know that about you, they probably wouldn't have said anything. That's actually an interesting point. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes it's just to uh, to, to have an excuse to give you a correction in a way. Mm. Sometimes I feel like that's what it is. Because I'm like, if they weren't privy to this information about my previous dance experience, you know, would, would they have necessarily picked that out? Um, that being said, I've been in the opposite position where I had a student that was in classical, trained in classical Indian dance. You know, they have these beautiful hand movements, right? And the way she was doing the flamenco, um, fueras and dentros, those, those are the hand movements in flamenco. The way she was doing it was uh, leading with her pinky instead of her middle finger, but it was a beautiful, she was creating beautiful shapes with the hands, but it wasn't exactly what the flamenco was. Because there is some discipline in flamenco too, like specific way of doing movements. Yeah, so it's just like, okay, maybe I understood from that point what all those teachers were saying to me maybe all those years. But because I knew she was a classical Indian dancer, I'm like, okay, she's got more experience in this. So naturally, her instinct is to do this, which is not necessarily incorrect, but it's not stylistically correct either. And that Mm -hmm. just comes with time but yeah i've noticed some people do that (laughs) (laughs) but still flamenco and ballet dance they have very different mood they do how is it for you now to switch from one mood to another it's easier now before it was very hard i I found especially facially Mm. because flamenco has such an intense face it looks like the dancers kind of pissed off sometimes right but it's 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 an intense dance. It's not a very happy... There's not very many dances in flamenco that are happy. Mm. There's a lot of bittersweetness, but you only see that towards the end of a dance. And then there are dances that are very happy and smiley. But for the most part, it's very pained and it's hard to dance. So it's very easy to get that expression on your face. I was carrying that into my belly dancing. And that was, for me, the hardest habit to break when it came switching Mm. back and forth. And I still have to remind myself to relax the space in between my eyebrows (laughs) constantly. I'm always like pinched in between the eyebrows and I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. Right. And then, you know, I saw Dina, uh, everybody knows Dina, the belly dancer. Um, She's always got that. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I can pull it off. I can turn the scowl into the, the, you know, the Egyptian pain face. Egyptian ecstasy, <laughs> yeah. minor minor switch, but uh, yeah, and just moving the head sharp, like uh, like flamenco requires a lot of spotting, mm-hmm. and if you're turning, you're spotting the head, and I'm noticing more in belly dancing now there is more spotting, um, given that there's like a lot of professional dancers now that are uh, previously ballet trained. Um, but I noticed the like the Egyptian dancers there they they don't really snap their head around as much. The focus kind of drifts from one place to the next, whereas you know flamenco your head is the the last thing to leave and the first thing 
to arrive. Yeah, <laughs> so like it's in like the ballet. Yeah, yeah ballet. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I know also that you were working, uh, probably still working on some like research, artistic research of connections between, I'm not sure about flamenco and ballet dance or Spanish mm-hmm. dance and ballet dance. But I remember seeing you, you, you were even teaching a couple workshops that you found that uh, culturally and historically yes. connections I between these two forms. Super super into that for a while I think I was that 2015 2016 I did a show called Shiroko and it was fusing the two because it's so funny how flamenco the original flamenco was actually barefoot and had a lot of hip and belly dance movements in it mm. and it's called Zambra Mora and it's basically influences from everybody and it, it borrows and, and steals from a lot of different dance forms. And then it was only in the late 17th century that flamenco actually got shoes. And all of a sudden it became a different thing. Um, a lot of ballet influence was incorporated. So flamenco was actually very rough around the edges for a time and um, unrefined. And uh, yeah, so Zambramora is what developed from that and then from there after Zambramora it like traditional belly dance is one other uh thing and now flamenco branched off into something completely different oh so you mean if I'm understood correctly like this Zambramora style mm-hmm. it's sort of a pre-belly dance and pre-flamenco it's like the common I don't know ancestor <laughs> yeah yes yes oh, that's and there's a it's so funny like you see gypsy dances uh, from all over, like you have the Romani gypsy dances, right? They That's that diaspora. The ones that ended up, uh, the people that ended up trickling down to the Iberian Peninsula, uh, they developed this dance that was in the caves of Granada. That's where it was all developed, right? So that's where you get Zambramora. That's the people that made it over there. This dance form was developed. And then after that, when it turned into flamenco was when um, the shoes and the ballet influence were incorporated. That wasn't until very much, very much later. Hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I don't think many people realize, uh, uh, the flamenco originally was bare feet or it can be performed bare feet. Yeah. It's not the very common idea. Mm. Uh, what do you think about popular flamenco Spanish ballet dance fusions that we see a lot of internet oh, competitions? Mm. Yes. What's the main, Cool points that you see and what's the main mistakes you see? Okay. Um, I think it's really cool that people are interested in it. What what kind of irks me is that there's this whole stereotypical uh, way of presenting it. Like, or people will look at a flamenco dance, they'll get an idea of it and they'll just throw a few moves in. Um Whenever I tell people that I'm a flamenco dancer, they always do this one thing. They stamp around in a circle and they start clapping their hands. And they're like, ay, 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 ay. And I'm just like, and they're like, they're moving their hands. And I'm just like, that's what you, I guess, get from it when you initially look at it. But I notice in a lot of fusions, it's it's the 
there's no rhyme or reason. People are just stamping their feet here and there. Mm. Um, and they're not engaging or lifting their feet from the right place. They're, they're doing it like it's a march. And, like they're lifting their knees up in front of them instead of the proper technique, which is flexing and lifting the foot behind you, therefore engaging the hamstring and drawing the heel towards your glutes and then driving the foot into the floor. Mm -hmm. It's like a digging action instead of a literal stamping. And then, you know, people that they, they, they try to incorporate the, the filigrana, which are the hand movements. Mm -hmm. Filigrana directly translates to filigree, which is like ornately patterned silver, you know, filigree. Oh, okay. So it's like the ornate, the ornation, is ornation a word? I don't know. It, it probably is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to go ahead and say ornation um, of the hands, which is the final uh -huh. ingredient. And I find people just will willy nilly guess what that is, or they'll just spin their hands around and twiddle their fingers, not really knowing the proper form. It's mm -hmm. a lot of throwing random things in there without the correct technique at, or any knowledge of rhythm. Like they'll just add a random, like a little yeah, imitating palmas, I guess, <laughs> or something like that. Yes, oh. yes. Like they'll just clap their hands together. And so I guess basically and all that, it's me seeing these videos and going, this person has just not taken any flamenco or maybe one or two classes. Because the first thing I teach in flamenco is I'll give you a basic understanding of a basic rhythm. I'll tell you how to clap your hands, which are the palmas, as you mentioned. And it's so funny because you people just clap their hands. They think, oh, what, what else is there to it more than just clapping your hands? Well, there's a way that you clap your hands and you'll never clap your hands the same way again after I like taught the differences between the various hand claps. And then also the rhythmic knowledge, like... There's so many different rhythms in flamenco that are completely unique. And different from belly dance so yes, much. Yes. So um, it, they're, they're their own thing. So when people are like, oh, yeah, I play a bit of flamenco. And I'm like, like a bit? What do you mean a bit? Like, do you know two rhythms really well? Or do you... It, is it just you going <laughs> and going, I play flamenco? Because it's like, it's not just that. It's like a rhythmic thing. It's a, uh, yeah, but like that being said, I do like that people incorporate um, belly dance and with Spanish flair, is what I, I like to say. And it's so weird because I've very rarely ever seen a flamenco dancer transition into belly dance. I usually see just belly dancers dabbling in flamenco. So my perspective was slightly unique because I come from there mm -hmm. and then I started doing belly dancing and then I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable now with the differences anatomically and, and mixing them together so that I'm not necessarily breaking any rules. Um, but yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I also think it's very difficult to find appropriate music yes. to do belly dance and flamenco fusion because oh. flamenco, like, it has such a specific rhythmic structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any tips? Or I don't know, maybe some uh, composers that you can suggest people because I'm sure everyone so, wants to, yeah. <laughs> to do it properly. Okay, so I was so lucky to find, and this is pretty common knowledge, but Hossam Ramsey did a flamenco Arab. He did two CDs. 
oh, I don't know, years ago. I don't know how many years ago now. But he really hit the nail on the head with those albums because there were some pieces of music that were flamenco rhythm mm-hmm. strictly with uh, Arabic music layered on top mm-hmm. melodically, which was very beautiful. And then there were some which were there were Arabic rhythms. And then you've got the flamenco guitar weaving in and out of them. And then there's, um, uh, you know, interludes where it's the guitar and the rhythm breaks and then the percussion kicks back in. And that, that those two albums were, for me, really good sources of inspiration. Like mm-hmm. there was like a flamenco Saidi. There was, there was um, a cigarillas uh, with a taxim in it. And cigarillas is one of my favorite flamenco rhythms it's a very serious dance um and i usually don't teach it till people have been doing it for a few years um and the rhythm is one two one two one two three one two three one one two one two one two three one two three one and or you can count it one two three four five one two three four five anyways it's like uh, for me that was the music and sadly it's like there's not (laughs) much out there for me belly dancing in general I have such a hard time finding music that is exactly what everybody wants and what I enjoy oh yeah the match that especially if you need to dance for someone like I mean if it's a corporate or like commercial gig Mm -hmm. that they have some preferences and to find artistically that you are satisfied yeah that's the struggle (laughs) yes or like finding a good opening number that's got rhythms that you like in it that's not eight hours long you know don't you I find sometimes like songs just go on and on forever and then you have to edit them and then it's like where do I edit? Where do I cut this off? If I leave this chunk in, the song will be five minutes. That's not short enough. You know, I find especially for competitions too, I used to always have mm. such a hard time getting that sweet mm. spot. Cause you, you get, you find music online and it's like, these songs are so long. <laughs> They're so long. <laughs> Maybe the competitions are short. Just <laughs> They always are very short. It's always like three minutes. You yeah. have to have four rhythm changes and it, you better not mess up the song. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'm, I'm screwed. Sorry. So, so to speak. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Get the break. Oh, 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 oh. you know, another band that I like that's uh, really good is uh, Radio Tarifa. Oh. Have you heard of them? No. I'm eating a cookie, sorry. Um, <laughs> well, we're doing the interview in person. That's loud. Crunch, 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 crunch. Radio Tarifa, they're another good fusion band. They use, like, world rhythms, and they layer it in, and then sometimes there's flamenco singing on top of it. Do, they do a really nice job. When I first started teaching fusion... I use their music a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about famous Egyptian song, Yam Safar? Mm. I love that song. Um, it, ah, this is gonna, <laughs> you're in, you got so many good questions. Because <sighs> these are all things that I've thought about myself in, I thought to myself in the shower, <laughs> like, what do I think about this? And then it just never gets. Spoken. Well, that's, I guess, the perfect thoughts to share on podcast too. <laughs> perfect, perfect, right? We're going to let it all out. I 
love that song. I do find it falls a little bit into the what people think Spanish music is trap, where it's like which obviously has its place. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Um, I like it. I actually started choreographing. I've never choreographed to uh, that song, actually, which I really wanted to. I just never got around to it. And then I started, I got into that Hossam album and I was like, I'm going to just try to choreograph every song on this. And um, I really like that song. It has its place. But once again, a lot of... But does that it flare. has uh, that famous arrangement? Because the original song doesn't mm-hmm. have m- as I mean, I can hear be mistaken. <laughs> I'm not sure. I may mistake here, but I think the original song with lyrics uh-huh. that doesn't have that much of Spanish flavor. I think no. it was later arrangement that got. But is it flamenco flavor or is it more Spanish flavor? Because flamenco and Spanish music it's different things too. I mean. Flamenco is a part of Spanish culture, but there yes. are other Spanish dances and Spanish music styles, mm-hmm. I assume, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, that's another thing, because there's flamenco, and then there's Spanish music, which, like, I would say Spanish classical. I would say flamenco and then Spanish classical music, like, like, like Carmen, for example, you know? Uh, that's a Spanish opera, but... It's, it's, it's got a different flair. You've got Ravel's Bolero. I, I always like to say that the best Spanish music was written by a French, French composer because they're so romantic and it's got this, it's once again, that rhythm, you know, which has, again, has its place. Uh, Quinchero Renuez has that. Um, it's like very classical Spanish music. And that might sound confusing, but... Flamenco um, has a has ugh, flamenco has so many complicated rhythms like that are kind of like if you imagine a tree that has branches and then those branches have branches so there's like a few main rhythms and then from there they skew out into versions of those rhythms that are slightly different. Mm. Um, so it's like you've got your Spanish music and then that flamenco tree. And then you also have like regional songs like the Malagueña. Dun, 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 That song. That's also used a lot. Like I heard a canoon version of that. And I've seen that used in some fusion belly dance pieces. And it's just like... Yeah, that's the Malaganya, and that's its own thing. That's the song of Malaga. And yeah, oh. sometimes I took myself in circles. <laughs> like, okay. Um, how about Andalusian dance and music? Because, I mean, we know as ballet dances about Moshe Hat as mm-hmm. the dance from Andalusia, from Arab Spain. Yes. How is that interconnection, like Andalusia connection between Spanish culture in terms of dance and music and Arabic? Like, is there any other than not just Moshahat dances that we as ballet dancers should know about? Hmm. Or anything that can relate, again, build connection between Spain and uh, Arabic world and ballet dance? Yes, I'd have to say it's the Zambra, for sure. 
the Zambra Zambra Mora. And they're, oh, okay. they're, yeah. So it would be that would be the closest one. Other than that, they're like they're quite separate. It's so strange. Like you have the Moshahat and then you have Zambra Mora and then it veers off into something else completely different stylistically and musically. And yeah, the bridge between those two is unless you're taking, you start to take literal cross sections of belly dance and flamenco and combine them and create that fusion, then yeah, that would be it. Mm. Yeah. And what place does Andalusian music has in Spanish culture in general? Was there any, because we, I mean, I'm talking about my knowledge, based on my mm -hmm. knowledge, but it's very common as ballet dancers, we only know about this blend mm -hmm. that others oh, Arab Andalusia, as we say, on, is it correct Andalusia or Andalusia? Uh, Andalusia. Andalusia. Yeah. So we know about the architecture, we know about this dance, Moshehat, which is basically lost dance. We only mm -hmm. like know a little bit about music, poetry, etc. But was there any other interesting influence of Arab times there on the Spanish culture and music other than like Moshehat and Zambra Mora? In general, like how is it just a regional thing or is it something important in Spanish culture? Well, it doesn't really have like the rest of Spain. It's so strange. Like, even if you think about the North of Spain, they don't take any part in it anymore. They actually don't even really acknowledge flamenco. It's so strange. Oh. Yes. Yes. They, they speak Catalan. They're the, the Basque region. And it's, it's so funny how they, they're almost like the Quebec to, Canada. They have their own culture and everything. So uh, flamenco actually did original, originate in Andalusia. And the impact of the Arab culture in Spain was rooted in Andalusia. Mm -hmm. And then from there, that spiraled and developed further into flamenco, which uh, the gypsies the gypsies in Spain, the Spanish gypsies started to develop flamenco from there for the purpose of uh, protecting their identity and culture. So that's mm -hmm. why it became so complicated. That's where all these complicated rhythms stemmed because they didn't want anybody else to be able to steal their culture and they, they, they're so persecuted and, uh, just had so much misfortune that they wanted to have something that was of their own. So they created rhythms that were all in 12 beat counts um, um, because that's how many months there are in a year. That's really, oh, that's one of the reasons. I didn't know that. That's yes. Cool. And it also has to do with eclipses as well. So <laughs> it's like, why does every flamenco rhythm get counted in 12 beats? Uh, well, we want to confuse people. Anybody else that comes through here, we we don't want anybody to be able to just pick it up and run with it anymore. We want to develop our own music that is is that only we know what it means. And uh, so they started to create really like they started counting instead of they instead of starting on one, they started counting on twelve. And then every every piece was uh, different emphasis counts. 
so that it was very hard to pick up. And like whenever I have students and they're trying to learn a lot of these rhythms, they're like, this is so hard. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the point is they didn't want it to be something that was easily danced because then if you did know the rhythm, it meant you were a gypsy, you were from there. It's sort of like encoding and recognizable language to each other. Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, jumping from, uh, well, first of all, thank you for sharing all these like historical and cultural Woo! researches. Uh, that's uh, very, very cool to hear. But jumping uh, back to, to your activities. Mm. So you are, you have started doing ballad dance about 2005, you said, or 2009? Nine. Nine. Yes. Wow. It's only 10 years. You already did so much. <laughs> 10 years yeah so how do you feel now like what's the balance in your life between flamenco ballet dance and other dance let's first talk about dance forms yeah (laughs) um it's so strange uh when i first started belly dancing it took over completely and then i went uh, but i was still teaching flamenco uh, and people would were starting to ask me what my favorite was uh they were like what do you prefer and i'm like well it's they're kind of incomparable when it comes to love for them. I love them both. They each give me different things. That's why I uh, have the both of them. They're like two boyfriends. I have. <laughs> it's like the other one. One listens to my feelings, and the other one is a good time. You know. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I'm um, not gonna ask which one no, is no, which. No, 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 no. So um, so. But uh, yeah, different fulfillment from each form. And, and it, both have given me so many different experiences. And as it stands right now, oh gosh, um, I'm, I, my life has taken another turn. But uh, a few years ago, I was teaching both regularly, equally, traveling a lot to teach. And I still perform belly dancing every week. I haven't stopped that. And, um, when I have a big flamenco show that I have to get ready for, I'll, I'll work on that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just like a tug of war between the two. Mm. Do you do regular flamenco shows too? Like, uh, because you do theater, but you also work in, I don't know, let's say commercial world. I'm really curious. Do you find any differences in doing gigs, ballet dance gigs and flamenco gigs? Yes. In terms of logistics, client communication, uh-huh. atmosphere, like any, like, tell us, please. I'm it's, really curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, like, as you know, it's, it's like belly dance gigs are so, there's so many more of them just because there's such a huge Middle Eastern community oh. here. Oh, right, yeah. Um, so I get more belly dance shows and, um, for flamenco, it's harder to plan because people don't seem to really comprehend that, that I need a floor to dance on. And I'll be like, is your floor carpeted? No, it's not. Don't worry. I'll get there. It's carpeted. And I'm just like, what did you think? (laughs) You know, or they'll tell me it's carpeted and then I'll in turn have to bring a stage. Um, generally flamenco is better when the music, I mean, all dancing is better when the music's live. We all know that, but, um, for flamenco, it really does help for belly dancing. You can get away dancing to a CD. Everybody's happy. Flamenco has so much interplay with, uh, musicians 
that you you need you need it's ideal to have live music mm-hmm. um but then again you know that can't always happen or sometimes we're like i don't care if it's recorded just do it and i'm like okay that's fine <laughs> um but yeah theatrically speaking i'm more it's more flamenco for me mm-hmm. yeah rather than these like gigs that you get for that, that are corporate gigs or or whatever like parties and whatnot um way more belly dance mm. way more ah, and uh in terms of theatrical shows you also did some shows incorporating ballet dance into your yes. flamenco shows but uh, uh as a dancer in general as a dancer you do performances with your group yeah. like you have a fa- artistic family yeah, <laughs> yeah. with that too but a lot of shows that i even saw uh you almost do like a solo dance uh, dancing for the entire evening i mean yeah. you have also some other dancers coming mm-hmm. but they come for like a few pieces but mm-hmm. then the entire evening is basically just you mm-hmm. performing how first of all how do you even condition or how difficult <laughs> it is <laughs> to perform the whole theater evening uh on your own or almost on your own yeah yeah and uh, well oh, first of all i did two solo shows that were like pretty much solo shows. My first, the one that I did that was based off of the Picasso painting, Wernica, I did that pretty much as a solo show. And then I followed that up with Shiroka, which was almost a solo show where I was joined by a couple of dancers for a couple of other pieces. It's hard. It was hard. I remember how it felt and being like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. But what I came to, what I came to experience early on is that it's so much easier for me to do it by myself sometimes Mm -hmm. because I can, I don't have to be on any real rehearsal schedule and um, Mm -hmm. I have so much tremendous respect and admiration for people that have huge dance companies and hang on to those dance companies because it is so hard to especially deal with people like because I'm not running I'm not the National Ballet of Canada where it's like people are they they want to be in this company this is their life this is their life I'm dealing with people that you know they started like this one girl that I danced with Sashi we've danced together since we were like I was six and she was nine or eight she's three or four years older than me um, but you know, we, we grew up together and we know how each other works. So there's like, it's like, it's almost like she's reading my mind, but you know, she became, became a physiotherapist and a mother and, and she, she's doing her thing. And like, I, I'm dealing with a lot of women like that. Mm-hmm. You know, these are women that they love dancing, but it's this much time. They have this much memory when it comes to retaining things. Yeah. And they have lives. And for me to de- make these like great demands on them, the, these physical and mental demands, it, it's sometimes it's harder than to just do the show myself because I do flamenco, I do belly dance. And when it com- comes to mixing it, then, you know, I was teaching that for a while and uh, I still do. I haven't recently, but I still do. I'll do workshops, but um 
to get that feeling in there so that it can be something that is turned into a piece and performed is very challenging. And, um, yeah, for that particular thing, I was like, I could just do this on my own. Uh, one piece that I was proud of that I did have is a duet, uh, which is online. Um, it's me and Sashi and we did a, I choreographed, uh, like a drum solo, but it was our foot, it was with footwork. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how can I fuse this without her actually having to take belly dance classes? Right. So it was like, it's just little ways of sidestepping that my mom, I grew up watching my mom run a dance company and seeing her deal with so many different people and then somebody leaves and then another one comes and another one comes and then somebody leaves and then it's like oh my gosh injuries illness so many things right and it's like it's a lot and that's kind of why like in the last couple of years I got kind of sick of hiring a lighting designer conceptualizing uh doing all these things and, and then, and then just being like, okay, now it's over. <laughs> so that I, I was like, what, how else can I keep performing, but not have to go to this length? And that's why I started doing stand up comedy, which is like absolutely batshit crazy decision to make. But at the end of the day, when I do stand up, there's a microphone. I go up and I talk. I'm in my street clothes. I go home. I leave. I don't have to strike any floor. I don't have to talk to the a-hole union guy that didn't want to let me into the theater because it was 3.58 and not 4 o'clock. And, and uh, you know, it, oh God. I sound like I'm 100 years old. I really do. I swear <laughs> to God, I just turned 30. I'm not 100. No, it's a... It's a <laughs> It's a life of a dancer. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, it's so much work. Yeah, like it looks so pretty and easy on stage, yes. but we don't talk about what's behind the stage. And like, that's why we have a podcast. It's, <laughs> it's, it's rehearsal, uh, studio rentals. Do you get the funding? Do you not? You know, you have to advertise. You have to have the costumes and you can't scrimp on the costumes or else it's going to look cheap. The costumes also have to be fully functioning. Your body has to be fully functioning. That you brings know? me to another question. You got into ballet dance with original thought that you were looking for something physically less demanding than your previous <laughs> dance steps. How do you feel about this now after 10 years? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think all dance is physically demanding in some capacity. I think anything in life is like, very demanding it's just what part of you is it demanding you know so it's like like with stand-up I'm like oh yeah it's not physically demanding I get off stage drenched sometimes and I'm like I didn't realize I was moving around so much and or 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 just even having to speak that's another thing that I took for take for granted when it comes to dance is is when you're on stage you don't really you don't have to speak and so therefore, if you don't have a voice, it doesn't really matter. You can dance with an injury to a degree. It's not serious, but you can get away with it. Whereas if you have to speak and you have to be very careful with your words and you have to be so accountable for everything that's coming out of your mouth and you can't let your mind wander for one second in dance, you can, you can kind of daydream, 
Every now and then, I daydream. Sometimes yeah, we all see. know those ran- random thoughts that we have on screen. Right? Hopefully not often, but we do. Yeah, no, 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 not often, <laughs> I swear. Um, but like with, with, with comedy, it's like I have to be mentally on. I have mm-hmm. to have good jokes, you know? If I forget a joke, I can't improvise my way out of it. You know, in dancing, when you forget a step. Half the audience won't know unless you make that poo-poo face, right? Where it's like, I made a mistake. You can usually improvise your way out of it until you find where you are again. Whereas if your mind is not there and you're speaking, you're just like, uh, and then everybody knows. Hmm. So each discipline faces its challenges. Hmm. Yeah. How often do you incorporate your ballad and stories in your current uh, comedy shows? <laughs> When I first started doing stand-up, it was really tough because I was like, what do I even want to talk about? I just know that I like making people laugh and um, what do I want to say, right? I want to be unique, right? And everyone's like, talk about what you know. Talk about what you know. Don't like make up stories or anything because people are going to be able to sense that you're you're making up stories and then it's not going to be as funny. So talk about your life. You have such a unique life. Talk about belly dancing. What's that like? And I'm like, okay. So I wrote like a seven minute act on like how belly dancing is not as glamorous as you think it is, you know, and, um, and it, it, it did well and it does well when I'm given the right opportunity to do it, but it's so random. Like I found, I started doing those jokes and then people were like looking at me, like looking at me up and down. Because I'm wearing, like, a hoodie on stage, and I'm, right. like, kind of looking like a slob, and I'm like, yeah, so I'm a professional belly dancer, and people are like, is this girl nuts, or is she joking? Like, <laughs> is she just pretending that she's a belly dancer? Why is she pretending that she's a belly dancer? Why do we care? You know, and then I found people were looking at me, like, focused on that aspect, and and just being like, what, a, why is there a belly dancer here that's a... A comedian like there's all these regular people going mm. up talking about their jobs and their wife and their kids and so this happened to me today and then I'm like so I'm a belly dancer and it was like very much forced on them and it's like whoa okay what's that so I find like once I developed I got that out of my system and it did well and I was like okay let's put that one to bed and then I started developing regular kind of normal person material And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll throw in a couple of jokes about it every now and then, but there, <laughs> it's more like my stuff is kind of dirty. I have cleaner material, but it's all about like, you know, when you, when you think you're, you know, making it rain with your business cards at an event and then nobody calls you except one guy leaves a voicemail on your answering machine at 4 a.m. and he's just breathing heavily, you know, like that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm not going to ask my favorite <laughs> daddy's jokes. <laughs> just in case some children are listening. <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Um, but it, it's all about my, the, the subject matter is is like the people you encounter. You know how you when you go on, when you're waiting to perform and you've been waiting there for like 20 minutes and they're like, okay, we're going to start you now. And then a lady comes running out to go to the washroom just as your music is starting. And then she's like, wait for me, wait for me. Don't start without me. And I'm like, all right, sweetheart, I won't start without you. And then, you know, inevitably you go through the doors and you do your performance because what am I supposed to say? Excuse me, DJ, could you please stop the music? 
I this lady has to go to the cab and come back. So it's just like, ugh. it's like stuff like that. And then people that dance with you and they're they're trying to outdance you and they've got the high heels on and they're they're hopping around and they're drunk usually and you've got your bare feet or your feet, your shoes are in slippers or whatever, and they're getting so close and you have to keep dancing away from them and that kind of stuff. I think I got an idea for you. What? <laughs> you should offer your stand-up uh, acts for ballet dance festivals. That audience can definitely relate to you. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is uh, Dragonfly Belly Dance, They they when they had their fundraiser for their show, they're like, do you want to do comedy? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, do you have any belly dance jokes? And I'm like, boy, do I ever. <laughs> and so I did that whole set for them. And it was the best that set's ever gone. Because they're all like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right? I guess comedy is about jokes that people can relate to. That's why it's easier for them to relate about some regular professions. Well, that's the thing is people were telling me, do what you know, to talk about mm. what you know. And it was a good springboard. But then it was like, okay, now be relatable. You know, do what you know, but be relatable, please. And I'm like, okay. So it was like that, that was for a while. <laughs> that was like my first year of comedy. I was like, now what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to talk about? And uh, you quickly also come to realize that comedy, you can't just like, you have to be equal parts self-deprecating like, if you're going to criticize something or someone, you have to double down by criticizing yourself. Mm -hmm. That was another thing that took me a while because my self-criticisms were totally insincere. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I don't like this and I don't like that. What do you, what's the deal with this? And then people are like, okay, well, what about you? Don't you have any uh, flaws? And then on the opposite side, you'll see comedy and you'll see some guys, all they do is bash themselves. And it's hilarious, but it's like, stand up for yourselves. <laughs> I want to see them also stand up for themselves to a degree and not lean on self-deprecation to get laughs exclusively. Um, so, yeah. Belly well, dancing comedy. Yeah. <laughs> New genre. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure you need to invent no. it. <laughs> Another fusion. I don't think I can handle another fusion. Imagine ballad and flamenco comedy fusion. <laughs> oh, man. I did. Uh, somebody joked about, uh, they're like, when I was like really into fusing things, and this was like about 2015, uh, they're like, what's next? Are you going to fuse belly dance with Irish dance? Well, you did. And I did. I did one piece. And I and it was the hardest piece I've ever freaking choreographed because and it, it's so opposite and has no relation and it was kind of just humorous to figure out how to land a jump and go into a Maya, which I found amusing. And then the music for that was also very challenging to find. I found this band, Hevia. They are a fusion band. And they they incorporate, uh, they do like world music. This one song in particular I found was was kind of like a Spanish song, but it had really good percussive elements. And I'm like, okay. And then they had bagpipes on top of that. Mm. And bagpipes aren't Irish. They're Scottish. But I used it for that anyways. <laughs> I hate bagpipes. I don't think many people like them. 
total fusion, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Like any big projects? Are you <sighs> heading more towards stand-up comedy now? Or any big dance and music projects we can wait yeah. from you in the nearest future? <laughs> um, life has been very interesting this last year. A year ago, I got approached um, by Moses Neimer, who, who started City TV. Right. And yes. he runs Zoomer Media and um he produced the show Twenty Minute Workout, which was a huge cult classic in the eighties, nineteen eighty-three, nineteen eighty-four, I believe. Those were the years that it ran. And um it we brought that back and I hosted it. Um we shot thirty episodes and it's gonna be on one TV in October. And um so it's like an eighties themed workout with comedic sketches in between each workout segment. So it's so crazy. Like a year and a half ago, I had like a personal breakdown. <laughs> I was like, how oh, it's happening. You know, when you, the uncertainty of life as an artist and when you don't, when you feel like, again, once I, I felt like something was missing, I guess, cause it's been almost like 10 years. Right. So I was just like, I got this 10 year itch when it came to dancing and, uh, I was just like, oh, I just don't feel inspired to get into the studio. Uh, what, but I know I want to perform and I'm like, what do I want to, I feel like I need to speak, but I don't want to be in Shakespeare or anything. I don't want to, I don't want to speak somebody else's words right now. I, I just want to talk and I have so many things that I want to say about life, not just about dancing. And so I dove back headfirst into stand up, which is, I started as a hobby about five years ago, hell of a stressful hobby, stupid to have a, a hobby uh, like that because <laughs> it's something that requires so much work and patience and effort and time and um, with no guaranteed reward, just like most things. But yeah, because um, I guess the reward a lot depends on the audience. It depends on other people. It doesn't depend just on you. Yeah. And that's always tricky. <laughs> I was craving re audience reaction because like dancing you're in a theater you give you give and then at the end people clap and then who knows what they say after you wait for a review you know people tell oh that was so nice oh my gosh this is this and i'm like is this i'm like i want i need reaction and i i started to see what was happening to dance and dance was become is becoming like this People are doing multimedia. It's not enough to just dance anymore, I find. It's like people are going, I have this projection, then I have this happening. And it's like, it's cool that we have so many technological resources and people are so creative that they're getting more site specific. They're doing this, they're doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is stressing me out. They're incorporating spoken word. I was finding, uh, I was like, every dance show I went to, because uh, I was a Dora Maver Moore judge, the year before last. So I saw all these dance shows and all of them were speaking. And I'm like, okay, so clearly dancers want to talk sometimes, but then it would affect how I viewed the movement because dance is also kind of the dance form where you need no language to get your point across. Yeah. And for me, it was getting to the point where I felt like I needed language and I was seeing other dance shows and I'm like, clearly dancers are needing language now. And, and they want something more. And that was a sign to me. I'm like, okay, my neck hurts a lot. I'm getting kind of cranky teaching classes. I have no dance inspiration right now. Um, 
And and if now it's either now or never. And I started seeing posts in the Toronto stand-up community. Uh, we need more female comics, more female comics. If you're a female comic, you get a spot on this show tonight. If you're a female comic, you get this. And I'm like, okay, it's clearly a need, right? Um, so I got back into it and I started doing it every night. And um, just flash forward in March, I did a residency uh, Broadway comedy club in New York City. Mm, that's awesome. And um, it was difficult to get that, but... Um, I got it pretty fast considering it was my third time doing comedy in New York and things just kind of aligned. And then I got into Burbank comedy festival last year and I'm going again in August. So I'm going to be in LA and, and I've gotten to perform at some of the best comedy clubs in the world. And, um, we, I did this TV show and they really let me spread my wings and write all kinds of silly things and sketches for it. And it's like, my head is in that space. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to right now. I've got that TV show coming out and I'm just doing a lot of stand up and festivals mm. and whatnot. So it's very exciting. Um, is there nepotism in comedy? Just like with every art form, there's nepotism. There's people doing each other favors. There's the maybe the funniest person gets like there's people that I thought, OK, like, sorry to, to backtrack. But it, oh, what I noticed in dancing, and here's just something I'll say here. But you'll notice somebody that's not as good a dancer and then people are like, oh, but they're so great. And it's an interpretive thing. And art is all about interpretation. I'm like, they're not that good. <laughs> That's starting yeah. to be negative. But there's something going on. And then suddenly you see, I'm just like, okay, what kind of black magic have they performed that this is able to happen? But the thing is, you can't say that about anything in dance. Because people will say, well, dance is an interpretive art. It's all about how you're interpreting it and how they've stylistically chosen to do this and I'm like nah, okay 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 so that's another reason I was like you know what comedy you're either funny or you're not the funniest people do the best and the not so funny do the worst and I was shocked to see in comedy that it's actually kind of the same things you run into you're like okay this person you can literally count laughs per minute I was like I what I what infuriates me about art in general is that the fact that it cannot be measured. And so you could take a freaking canvas and sploosh some paint on it and somebody will be like, $10,000, this is my art. And uh, if you say this is an art, then, you know, you've got a problem. It's a, how you're interpreting it, right? And, and I'm like, no, that's a splash of paint on a canvas. I see that very clearly. You can't fool me. So I was just getting so frustrated with that, you know, like people and their ideas and then being like sitting on their high horse and going, this is my art, you know, how dare you, right? And it's like, come on. And um, with comedy, I'm like, you can count a laugh. That's one laugh, two laughs, three laughs. Okay, this person got 23 laughs in a five minute set, you know, like I liked that. And I craved that being able to measure some tangibility in in art and performance and uh having to be accountable for what was coming out of my mouth and not being afraid to go yeah I don't like that or uh, but also having to make sure that I don't completely turn people off because that's also the adverse effect uh of being able to say whatever you want 
is not everybody's going to like what you have to say. And in turn, because it's coming from you, they don't like you. Oh, yeah. Then we transfer the effect of art on the person. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the dangerous part of comedy. And that's only something that I realized. I'm like, everybody's going to love it. They're all going to love it. No. And sometimes there's no real good reason. Whereas dance, if you don't like it, nobody's really going to go, boo, or like tell you suck. Why? Ugh. You know, like, whereas in comedy, that happens a lot. You'll say something and somebody will go, whoa, why? And then you have to shut them down in a nice way without losing your core value. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, it's uh, it's very challenging. Mm, it's so very interesting to hear things that we as dancers can relate. You have a really interesting perspective, not only coming from flamenco to ballet dance, but now <laughs> transitioning into a spoken uh, spoken art, mm -hmm. uh, but still performing art. Yes, still being on stage, communicating with audience. But it's interesting to see both sides, like things that we value as ballet dancers and mm -hmm. appreciate and like this but also things that become invisible to us mm -hmm. because we like to we always in every profession including ballet dance, we like to complain and i know some people yes. i had received a couple of messages from people like oh my god the podcast there there was a couple in a row that we were discussing uh behind the scenes it's like oh it's almost depressing <laughs> and like that's just because this is the stories oh, that no. make interesting they said it's depressing <laughs> to hear all about problems it's not like the only problems and <laughs> negative stuff we realize but no. we all in any profession in any industry we like to complain but then now yeah. listening to your complaining's fun <laughs> i love it <laughs> that's the best stories <laughs> But then basically listening now about your experience in a stand-up com comedy coming from a ballet dance world, it's like reminding us, oh, yeah, that's what became invisible to us ballet dancers, this yeah. safety, sort of safety guard around us that it's, if it's a live performance, live communication, it's not that direct or easy to get a negative feedback to you. You can feel cold from audience, mm -hmm. but it's not somebody will come and say, no. oh, it was bad, or like, it's no. very rare. Like on the internet, that's a different story. Yes, the internet, oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's not even touched. That's just creepy, creepy people. But yeah. I'm saying, because it's much tougher to get it live in your face, like, yes. you know, especially yes. during the, in the middle of your performance, like yes. you're having a stand-up comedy. We don't have that in ballet dance. No. I mean, at least I can't count no, any you, occasions. You, don't. You, you, you could, yeah, like you mentioned, you could go on stage and you feel like the audience is like tired or waiting for something, you know, but they will still watch. They will still clap. They will still do all of that. And then they got a part of you, but you still have retained yourself. And then you don't know, like in the adverse position, you're, if you're an audience member and you're watching a dancer, wow, that's a beautiful dancer. You don't know who they are as a person. Whereas comedy, you go up and it's a person being like, this is who I am. Now, ah, laugh, right? And it's yeah. like, if the, if the comedian doesn't get the laugh in the first 30 seconds, it's like, there's a panic mode that goes off you're like oh my god they're not laughing they didn't laugh at my opening line oh gosh how's the rest of this gonna go and you have to really stick to your guns and plow through or let's say you get the laugh earlier than you thought on a line that was not a punchline. 
then you're like, hey, this is, you suddenly relax and it's easy. And there's those nights where it's like, people just laugh at everything you say. It's magical. But you never know if and when that's going to happen. Whereas dancing, you can feel if you're on your legs that day. You can feel if you're on your balance. You can tell that the crowd really wants to see you. And and you you know you're going to do a good show. But I also feel that dance has much more individual individual focus on it because in comedy you do need to have a reaction of audience you cannot yes. just tell jokes from stage for yourself no all in dance uh the one of the important points is to make sure that you enjoy your dance performance and you are able to enjoy your dance performance even if if yes. anyone else in the audience didn't enjoy it yeah it's still possible and it's one of the main things that we I guess keep reminding each other ourselves especially in those desperate moments like yeah. it's not necessarily about pleasing audience then I no. mean of course we perform for audience we want but it's also a lot it's about your yes yes yeah. yes huh yeah no dance is the number one soul food like you always have to dance for yourself mm-hmm. and I do every week It's so strange. I I belly dance. I've been belly dancing a lot lately and I found my dancing going downhill for a while. And it was because I was not dedicating enough focus to even preparing the simple act of preparing for a show. I was rushing through it and, and not warming up properly. And then I was finding like a lack of inspiration. And I'm like, I have to sit down. I'm not going to go run out and take a class or anything because I'm pretty disciplined in self-practice. And I know I like I record myself when I practice and then I watch it back and I'm like, okay, I know I look at myself like I'm any one of my students and Mm -hmm. I make those corrections and I redo it. And and I watch videos like it's so easy to find videos these days. And I just stop and then I'm like, what did she do? That was like Oksana. I watch her all the time and I'm like, like every little thing is just so intricate. And I mean, she does some back bends where I'm like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but like, but like she does so many cool things and I like just make my way through different dancers and pick up one little thing that they did and, mm-hmm. and just drill that. And I find my dancing is like, okay, I'm back to where I was. Good. And then my shows are a lot better. Mm. You have a very interesting trajectory of going through like little artistic crisis <laughs> and lack of inspiration. And when art comes to becomes a like lifestyle job or work, yeah. it's very typical. But not not everyone is ready to talk about it. So I'm I'm really uh, um, thankful that you are open and just talking about it. But Thinking back to your, let's say, first mentioned crisis that you got only in ballet dance Mm -hmm. because you were frustrated with other dance forms before. And then you were talking about your recent one. Then you, again, after 10 years of ballet dancing, like... (laughs) Another crisis. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so many, so many crises. What? I'm just dramatic. Sorry. No, it's, it's artists. (laughs) We can, we can afford ourselves being dramatic sometimes. (laughs) And I mean... I can so much relate to it because this podcast was born out of the same frustration for me. <laughs> I was like, 
It's I want to do. talk to other people and see what is their experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, podcast is because, a perfect <laughs> excuse. Because belly dancing is such like, when you go into a show, you're on your own. You're the belly dancer, right? And then sometimes I'm wondering, I'm like, is everybody going through this? Or am I just really bad at like dealing with certain things? Or is there something that I didn't say that I should have said so that I wasn't wouldn't end up in this situation, you know, or like, do they, do other dancers get as much attitude from potential clients on the phone as I seem to sometimes, you know, like the things people say are just, are shocking or like, you know, just like treatment sometimes is just like, oh man. And here I am, I'm like thinking everybody's, you know, got their perfect contracts and, you know, nobody would dare say anything negative and, you know, I, I'm like, it's just me. It's just me, isn't it? And, and then I find I started just being myself and things got <laughs> better rather than trying to be on my That's best true. behavior all the time. Yeah, it's true. But thinking about those kind of crises, what mm-hmm. would you say? Imagine that um, Angelica in that crisis is a different person. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to that person? Like how to find your way... Not like how to solve it because sometimes it takes time, mm-hmm. but how to at least find the direction of movement, where to start moving to mm-hmm. get out of that frustration and lack of inspiration. In dance. Mm. Um, like, oh, to get out of that, to get out of that. Um, it, it's so weird. Like I found for a while, I, I wanted to integrate my whole being. Like I found who I am on stage is so different than who I am in person. And I'm like, it's so weird performing and transforming. And it's a magical thing to play like a character. But it was like, I was like, what can I do? It, I started just asking myself questions. Like whenever I'm pretty easy to make happy. Like I'm not like this, like high maintenance, nothing can make me happy type of person. Usually when I'm feeling down or something, there's a direct reason. And I'm like, what is going to help me get out of that? And I just started asking myself questions like, you love to perform. What's making you not happy about performing? Is it dealing with getting ready? Is it, you know, is it uh, your body's not feeling a certain way that it should? What, like, what is it? Sometimes it's my body. I'm like, okay, fix that. Do what makes you feel like you can handle this again. Uh, but this particular juncture, it was like, it was like, okay, I love dancing. I'm no longer fulfilled from competitions. I have to stop getting fulfillment in achieving things, collecting titles and badges and whatnot. I'm like, that's cool and everything. And that's great. But it was becoming too much of that of what can I get next? What can I succeed in next? What can I say I got to add to my resume? And while the chase is fun and fulfilling, once you get it, it's that moment of a high and then it's like crash. Okay, now what? And there was a lot of me going, now what? And finishing a project, doing this, either succeeding or not succeeding, getting like going, okay, that happened and then moving on. And I was like, why? This is not what art is about. And um, I was like, I love performing. Uh, I'm like, what do I not like about performing? Well, I don't like that. I, I 
have to, I don't like that I don't get to go out with my friends sometimes, you know? But then when I do take a weekend off, I feel like I've missed out on like a good show, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you should have been here. Everything sold out last week. Ugh. I was like, you know, that fear of missing out. So there's that. And uh, just being a regular person. Um, also, you know, constantly fussing with costumes and, and making sure it all works and making sure my body is ready and not eating and then, uh, and then, and then putting on my hair and makeup on and, and, and like that, I'm like, this is usually fun for me. Why is it not fun right now? And, and I'm like, what would make it fun? Okay. If I could just not do that. And then if I could just get on stage and make people laugh, like I would much rather do that, even though that's hard. Uh, and then I was like, that's the answer. I didn't like loading in for shows, designing lighting, uh, rehearsing so much and having to coordinate rehearsals and, and deal with that and, uh, dealing with people's wages and feeling bad when I couldn't pay people what I wanted to pay them and then doing all this work. And then at the end of it, I'm just like, okay. (laughs) So that, I, I came to that conclusion. I'm like, well, what I want to do is a different kind of performance. And so I'm going to do, instead of watching belly dance videos on YouTube, I started watching stand up and seeing how that worked and, and then finding inspiration from there and then taking a, like a moment away from dancing. And then all of a sudden it was like magic. I missed dance and I appreciated dancing again. Yeah, that's cool thing. When you try something new, it can either lead you somewhere that you didn't expect, or it can just remind you about yeah. all the good stuff that you already did and and, and refresh the reignited. feeling. And, yeah, and I have to say, they're like I've reignited the passion for for dancing again and for teaching. I think if you over teach too, that can also be a bit dangerous. Hmm. Um, and you're, you know you take it for granted and then uh, sometimes the students become so familiar with you. They take you for granted. Right. And it's just like, I really started to like teaching workshops because it was me teaching a hungry group of people in one big chunk of time, accomplishing something. They're grateful for it. You're happy. And then I'm out of there, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's fulfilling instead of this like, every week for the year doing this, doing that. And I was like, I shouldn't be wanting to get away from it this much, but I felt like I had nothing to teach either. It's so weird. Mm. And, and now I feel like I'm back in a place where I can rediscover my relationships with my students in a more positive light and find magic and joy in the movements and moving together with a group of people to music and helping them achieve their dancing goals and, and realizing why they're there and that they have very specific reasons why they want to be there. And a lot of it is to just enjoy their bodies. Mm-hmm. So it's that's just beautiful. Like, it's like uh, yeah. So like, I like teaching again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's beautiful and inspiring and a great reminder for everyone who may listen to this and feel like oh yeah i hear myself mm-hmm. just try don't stress about it just try something else leave it for a while and uh yeah and see where it can take it like we we sometimes we forget that 
life has different stages mm-hmm. and different chapters. And mm-hmm. some chapters, they or some themes, they go from one chapter to another. Yes. But also, like, not being afraid to just close one chapter and start another, even if it's... I mean, not to discourage anyone right now, stop dancing. No, no. But also... I kind of find sometimes it's not healthy, these thoughts or this approach, oh, dance is my life, so now it's from now and forever. That's how people really approach it. And I've actually gotten a lot of people being like, so are you, so you've quit dancing? And I'm like, no, I just you just don't see what I'm posting. It's not like I post every single show that I do. It's, uh, you know, it's like, it's always a part of you. And, and you you can leave things and come back to them. I people speak in terms of such permanence all the time. It's always like this is it, this is how it's going to be and it's like forever for now, you know? Mm-hmm. And like when it comes to something that's in your life that's a, your job but also your passion, you have to be gentle with it. You have to take it on a holiday. You have to breathe new life into it and like I don't know. I, I, I was like, I need to find a different way to challenge my body. I played volleyball for a while and I played a sport and I got hit in the face with a couple of volleyballs and, uh, and I learned how to volley and I'm like, okay, this is like, I have a new awareness of my body. You know, I went, I, I went bowling for the first time in my life. You know, it's like these experiences only add to the, your dancing at the end of the day. Yeah. And not having these limitations, but just giving yourself a freedom mm-hmm. as a creative person that can bring so much more to dance mm-hmm. or may lead to something else. Like, who knows? I just like was very interesting to see your approach and your story with this, that sometimes just focusing and trying to hold too long on the same thing mm-hmm. doesn't really lead anywhere. But if you let it go... For a while or forever, mm-hmm. it can either bring you back to it, but with a new, refreshed like level, yes. or or just lead somewhere else where you, you belong. That's that's. Uh, I'm a, I'm very excited to inspire. Yes. To hear and like story. I think you'll find too when you move, your dancing will change because you're in, obviously in a different place and you're in a different setting and and like like you, I've lived in a dance studio my whole life. So anytime inspiration has ever struck me. I'm in the dance studio. I can express that and do it in front of a mirror full out if I want to immediately. So that's something that I've also been very lucky to do. Mm-hmm. I And I haven't taken for granted. I'm like, I have a place where I can lift my arms above my head and I have a full length mirror and I have a long studio space where I can do all these things. And it's like, yeah, you, you have to take advantage of that. And then I moved a few times, uh, Housing in Toronto is a pain. Um, so it took me a few times to get it right. And then just a series of like life taking over and and relationships and 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 then going, okay, I can't be really super focused on 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 this dance that I was really working hard on this last month. Now it's over. I'm having a bit of a roadblock. I need some time to just go be a person and then revisit it. And like that's what it is so well uh where can our listeners now follow you both dance and stand-up activities i I should probably have a separate instagram or account for all my stuff but i thought you know what 
I'll just let everybody figure it out <laughs> for themselves and go, what does this person do? Um, I'm at Skanooch on Instagram, S-C-A-N-O-O-C-H. You'll find belly dance clippings and photography. Some of my stand-up is on there. My stand-up schedule is on there. Um, my I, Every time I teach flamenco or belly dance classes, that's up there as well. I do a lot of uh, emceeing uh, events nationally. So it's like pictures from random things and um, it's a lot of stuff for the TV show. Twenty, It's called Angelica's 22 minute workout that's all up there i didn't realize it's 20 minute workout yeah (laughs) that's cool (laughs) it's a 22 minute workout and it's it's hard i created 30 different workouts each episode is different i cast the show so um and that was another challenge because um we wanted it to be inclusive to everybody but also people that are like hardcore boot camp workout style people that they would get something out of it too so some episodes are really challenging some are like i've got a 79 year old woman on the show um i also have somebody that's mobility impaired on a couple of the episodes she's been confined to a wheelchair since the age of eight uh, 19 so it's a workout for her but also for everybody mm-hmm. like i'm doing it too and um it was uh so this show is like it's the first workout show ever to have somebody that's in a wheelchair working out with people that aren't. Mm, it, that's cool. Any other workout show that you have uh, out there, it's this is for people confined to a wheelchair. And it's, you know, there's that. And then you have your regular people doing their workouts. It's like, no, let's put everybody together doing the same thing so that nobody's excluded. And then the other episodes are... Uh, uh, people that have never taken a dance class in their life or never really go to the gym and this is getting them started. So that's an episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really proud of it. And then in case you, you know, take yourself too seriously when you're working out, there's always a a comedic sketch around the next commercial break. So hopefully people watch to also see what the jokes are as well that's cool and it, this is a mixed workout so it's not just dance workout it, it's more like an actual it's, workout with yes. some different elements from different yeah. dances and so different like backgrounds. i had another show on this network three years ago called angelica's dance workout and every episode was a different like dance so there's like but like digestible so that people that have never danced before can still get a good picture we did an Irish dance episode, we did a modern dance episode, we did a flamenco episode. It was like, it was all, every episode was a different theme. And this one, they're like, we're doing a different show. It's it's like classic workout with mm-hmm. plyometrics and weights and 80s themed. So go. <laughs> so that was very fun to choreograph as well because my main beef about workout videos is they're so repetitive and it's just like okay I gotta go force myself to do a thousand squats now and and the music is generic and I'm like what what do I want to do to make this fun and it's like we we make it fun I throw a few basic dance moves in there and then we do strength training and the music was uh composed for the show um and it's all like 80s music and it just sounds so good and it makes you want to keep going and it's it's very exciting. So that's my my little baby that was a year in the making. And although it wasn't dance, 
belly dance choreography or flamenco choreography, it was choreography. Yeah. Good challenge. I'm also um, going to be doing filming the show in September uh, for a show that's on Vision TV called Your All-Time Classic Hit Parade. And it's basically like a variety show where they take classics and there's like singers and musicians and they're like golden oldie tunes. Uh-huh. So like songs that you would have seen Fred Astaire or Ginger Rogers performing or um, Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. So I'm going to be doing another, I tap danced on that show last year and I'm going to be doing another tap dance this year that Judy Garland did called Ball in the Jack. So that's my next project. (laughs) Excited to see it. That's cool. Yeah. And I will definitely add all links to the show notes. So for everyone who listens, you can uh, find Angelica on social media easily and then see all the posters and announcements there. Yes. Uh, My name is spelled with a J too, not a G. (laughs) A-N-J-E-L-I-C-A. I I always have to say that. And no, it's like me, Yana. It's always like, oh, but it's I A N A, not Y. Yes. Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Funny names, problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. It has been so fun uh, yeah. talking to you, and uh, so much interesting thing. Well, I feel we went from like one range and like extreme of balladance <laughs> topics to completely different from mm-hmm. flamenco and. Uh, um, flamenco, uh, Zambra Mora to stand up comedy. <laughs> yes. Um, and I always finish every interview with our signature question. Okay. We kind of talked about it here and there, like a lot throughout the interview, but it's kind of cool way to su- sum-, sum up everything. Yeah. And I love hearing similarities in people's reply mm-hmm. and differences. Mm-hmm. So really curious about your approach, how you, you sum up it. But the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. <sighs> um, the music, uh, how I feel when I'm performing and after. And uh, I love the costumes. I have an unhealthy obsession, I think, as most belly dancers do, with outfitting oneself. And learning and seeing how it keeps evolving and um i've never felt so much joy and release as i have when i belly danced flamenco has is i feel that as well but it's also very difficult and very challenging so there's always that in the back of your head belly dancing you can just stand there and shimmy all your feelings out and express yourself and and let the audience in and they really appreciate that so that's that's what i would say it is thank you for listening everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode and if so do you know the best way to support this project is to share it with your friends it takes few seconds cost you nothing but it helps a lot to move this project forward and help me to bring more awesome guests on the podcast in the future you can Tell your friend, you can send a message, email, you can screenshot and put a a post on social media, whatever works better for you. But if every one of you will share this episode at least with one more person, it will make a huge difference for this podcast.
Thank you for spending your time with us, for your support and love. And until next time, keep shimming, keep dancing, and I will see you soon. Thank you.